Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Indie Talk Podcast. I am your host, Paul Martinez. It's been a little while since I've been with you guys. I was a little under the weather. I had a little bronchitis. I didn't want to be coughing over the mic while you guys are listening to the show. So I was trying to see if I got a little better. I'm slightly better. Hopefully, if I cough, I'll be able to pause uh, the recording so you guys don't hear that. I don't want to steal Dave Meltzer's gimmick of uh, coughing throughout the show. But today's show, we're going to talk about, we got three shows we're going to look at. We look at Ring of Honor's Super Card of Honor, which took place on March 27th, which was the WrestleMania weekend. Then the following TV for Ring of Honor from April 4th. And we're going to take a look at the most recent episode of Lucha Underground. And uh, we're going to do it in the order I just said. Basically because that's the order I watched it in. You know, let's uh, get to it right now. We'll also have a little bit of news uh, in a little bit. But let's start off with Super Card of Honor. One of the major shows that Ring of Honor puts on every year. And the opening match was ACH versus Mark Briscoe. It's a very interesting pairing here. One that I was actually uh, looking forward to. Uh, you know, like I said, right from the beginning, uh, Briscoe was really taking the fight to ACH. They're still doing that gimmick where the announcers keep talking how ACH is not liked. ACH is, um, I don't know, like he's got uh, personality issues. Again, we've never seen any of this. The announcers are telling us things that are happening in the locker room that we never see for ourselves. I don't like that gimmick. If that's the case, let it spread out to the ring or something so that we can see evidence that HGH is the guy who they're making him out to be. Because all I see is a fantastic wrestler. As the match goes, a Briscoe hits a really nice running mule kick, sends HGH flying into the corner. I had noticed Mandy Leon uh, was sitting ringside. Mandy Leon, a product of the Ring of Honor training facility. She's one of the hottest women wrestlers out there right now. Quite a looker and, you know, learning the craft, learning the craft. Uh, every time I've seen her, she's improved. I wouldn't call her a great worker yet. But if she ever becomes a great worker, if we combine that with her looks, she'll be, she'll own, like, the WWE or someplace like that. If she ever uh, gets uh, her in-ring skills down. Back to the match. Mark, as I said, was dominating. He hits the cactus elbow out on the floor, uh, out of Mick Foley. Goes in the back end, but the AC winds up countering a move. He hits a stunner and a snap German for two. Then he tries a roll-up, but Mark counters the roll-up, drops down, pins ACH. I gave him two and a half stars. I think Mark is a lot better than he's given credit. I mean, everybody talks about Jay Briscoe, and, you know, with good reason. Jay's really blossomed into a great wrestler, but... Mark is pretty good. I think people sleep on Mark maybe because of the crazy look and the character and the gimmick. But Mark could work, and he showed that in this match. Our second match, Michael Elgin, the Unbreakable, uh, versus Frankie Kazarian, one half of uh, whatever his tag team. I keep calling a bad attitude. I know they're called something else now. Christopher Daniels. I forget what they're called in Ring of Honor. I always call them the uh, addiction. Or no, right, they're called the addiction now. Sometimes the first time with bad attitude, they're all day. So one half of the addiction, Frankie Kazarian. Uh, this was, wow, this was uh, 
really one-sided for most of this match. Elgin dominates most of the way. I mean, Kaz has a few nice spots here and there. I mean, they're not going to just outright job him, but I know uh, he does like he hits a three-shot cutter for near four, which is really nice, but that was like the highlight of his offense. There was a spinning back fist and an Elgin bomb, which uh, wins it for Michael Elgin. Two and a half stars. After the match, Daniels is checking on Kaz to see if he's okay. And Elgin gets a chair and just comes back and destroys both of them with a chair. You know, taking uh, the chair and driving in the neck of Kazarian and smashing over the back of Christopher Daniels. I love Michael Elgin. I hope this monster push for him continues. Next, we get a six-way scramble, I guess, is uh, what they used to call this. I don't know. I didn't hear the word scramble, but if you remember Old Ring of Honor, it's basically six guys all fighting for themselves. It's Andrew Everett versus Moose versus Caprice Coleman versus Cedric Alexander versus Tommaso Ciampa versus Matt Sydal. Like as I said, Matt really, really hard to keep up with. Very hard to take notes. It's just everyone flying around. I remember Ciampa hitting a, a Project Ciampa getting a near fall, but Matt Sydal broke it up. Broke it up. Um, Adam Everett who. I've heard of him, not really seen much of him. I know he was injured for a long time. He hits a Frankensteiner or Cedric and then goes up top. But Coleman runs up and hits a Herman Conrado to bring him down. And then Moose hits a freaking spear on Coleman that destroys him. Matt Side Out winds up hitting a shooting star on the still down Everett from the top of Frankensteiner. And he gets the uh, the win. The, the real fun match. Great sequence at the end to get the win for Matt Seidel. Gave it three stars. Um, all these guys work good. Of course, Tomato Chopper is no longer with the company, but uh, this might have been his swan song. I think he left after this match. They really are pushing the Cedric Alexander. He didn't want to shake anybody's hand. And I think they're really pushing this heel turn for Cedric. Okay, our next match. B.J. Whitmer versus Jimmy Jacobs, the end of, well, it's not the end of the decade, but pretty much the end of the original decade of B.J. Whitmer and Jimmy Jacobs are now against each other. Of course, this is Jimmy's swan song in Ring of Honor. Uh, B.J. is with Colby Carino, who is now the new young boy of of the decade. This is basic, the reason for the match, because Jimmy feels like, Whitmer is just doing this to mess with Steve Carino, and it's not right. And so Jimmy's here to teach BJ a, a lesson. Uh, before the match, they go to the center the ring, they hug each other, and then they just start wailing on each other. Right off the bat, Jimmy, you know, a punch to uh, BJ's head. Looked like he dislocated a finger. Looked like it bothered him the entire match. During the match, Adam Cole, who's doing guest announcing, got annoyed at questions about his possible connection to KRD, um, the legitimacy of his elbow injury, and he gets mad and he walks out. Back to the match, there's a table brought in, I believe by Jimmy. Jimmy goes to put BJ through the table with a senton, but he hits it, but the table doesn't break. Jacob sets it up on the floor. And hits another senton, this time putting Whitmer through it. Then uh, Whitmer comes back, he hits a brain buster with JJ through an erected chair. Jimmy hits a contra, 
uh, Contra Code, which everybody thought was the finish for near fall. But uh, Whitmer comes back, hits an exploder onto two two chairs, and it's over. Two and a half stars. Just a simple brawl. Um, you know, there wasn't really much to it. Uh, after the match, like uh, when Jimmy and BJ are kind of squared off, and it looks like they're going to shake hands or whatever and embrace, Kobe attacks Jimmy from behind, starts beating him down, and out from the crowd to the rescue comes Lacey. That's right, Lacey is back. Uh, the crowd has no idea who she is. Obviously, this is not old school. We have our fans. For those who don't know, Lacey is the former girlfriend of Jimmy Jacobs when he started the age of the fall. And the whole storyline was that she left him for her real-life boyfriend, Austin Aries. But uh, and she's been gone ever since. And uh, this was her return. You know, here as Jimmy's about to leave. They embrace. A tear comes to my eye. Great way to go out. Good luck, Jimmy. I wish you well in the WWE. You know, all the best. But this was really well done for the old school fans. A lot of the fans of the crowd didn't really get, you know, what what this occasion meant to the old school fans. But for those of us who've been around with Ring of Honor, um, it was a great moment. Our next match, Christopher Daniels versus Roderick Strong. And Daniels is selling the back that he was taking chair shots from Elgin from earlier, from the very beginning. And Roderick is targeting the injured back the whole way. Roddy hits a superplex for two count. Daniels comes back, hits a Uranagi, goes to the BME. Roderick is able to escape the, the move and locks on the stronghold. Daniels is able to escape. But soon after, Roderick gets it on him again in the middle of the ring. Daniels taps. Two and a half stars. Roddy continues the winning streak. And uh, it's only a matter of time for he's in the main events here at Ring of Honor. Our next match was for the Ring of Honor Tag Team Championship. And the champions, Red Dragon versus Kingdom. Now, if you listen to my Strong Style podcast on my last episode, we talked about how Kingdom are the new IWGP Tag Team Champions, but that is not the case when this match was recorded, so they are not there with the titles, but they are there with MMA star Filthy Tom Lawler, who accompanies uh, Red Dragon to the ring. Wild match. They hit the two-man smash machine. Kingdom comes back to be straight out of Cameron for their fall. Roddy does a shotgun dropkick from the apron to the floor. But he's selling like he's badly injured his foot. I felt pretty sure that this was a work. But, you know, he was really selling it well. KRD tries to interfere in the match. Just one member. So, again, was that Adam Cole? He's not ringside. But it backfires. And Red Dragon winds up getting the win. Three stars. Could have been more without the KRD information. And, to be honest, the KRD gimmick started to lose steam for me. It seemed like the fans didn't even care. If it is Adam Cole and the Kingdom that are doing this, you really need to unveil that now. Making it play out any longer is just going to backfire worse. That's not who fans are hoping, not who I'm hoping is behind this. Obvious that you're hinting that way, but um, that's not going to blow the, the doors off of anything. So if that's where you're going with this, my suggestion is 
end this angle right away. Next match was a match I came in hoping a lot for. Jay Lethal defending the television championship against Juice and Thunder Liger. They fought a very scientific match on the mat. Liger does catch him a few palm strikes and hits the top rope Frankensteiner for a two count. Lethal comes back. He hits the lethal combination for a two count. They wind up outside the ring. Liger hits a brain buster on the floor. Uh, looks like Lethal's going to get capped out. But he gets back in the ring. Super kick by Jay Lethal. Followed by the lethal injection. Gets the win. Eh, not as good as I hoped. Two stars. I really was hoping for a lot more. Uh, I'm probably being silly. How much can you ask out of a guy who's 50 years old? This is what Juice and Thunder Liger is. But uh, I was hoping for a little more. I love Jay Lethal. I was hoping to carry him a bit. Uh, our next match is the main event of the evening. It's Jay Briscoe taking on Samoa Joe. Now, Joe was signed with WWE, so this right here may be his final match. Crowd is mostly behind the champ. Very back and forth. A lot of action taking place on the floor in this match. Joe tries a few submissions, but doesn't uh, get Jay to you know, submit to anything. Joe then goes to a muscle buster, but Jay hits some knees to the head to escape. Hits the Jay Driller and retains the title. It was good. It's not great. Um, I gave it three stars. I'll be honest, though. I don't. I feel Samoa Joe's a guy. I was never a big Samoa Joe supporter. And I'm even less of one now. What I've seen out of Samoa Joe for the last two, three years has been very unimpressive. He seems very lazy in the ring. I know people saying it's because he was a TNA and he was unmotivated. And I'm not saying I don't buy that. But here he is in Ring of Honor. He didn't look any more motivated. He didn't look any better than he did in any TNA match to me. Um, he looks even more out of shape than he was before. I'm sorry. I just not. I, I just don't buy into the whole Samoa Joe thing. But overall, this was a solid show. No match of the year candidates, but there were no stinkers either. You know, it's a good, solid eye pay per view. Um, I'm sure it was an eye pay per view. I think. I think it is. I think it's something you can catch on, on demand enough. But um, a solid show. Like I said, nothing bad, nothing great. It's good. You know, if you pay twenty bucks to see it. It was worth the 20 bucks. Now, before we get on to Ring of Honor's TV show, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, news and what's going on. There's not a lot of news going on. There is some. Uh, one thing is Jay Uso of the Usos in WWE. It looks like the shoulder injury he had, um, it looks like it's going to be a lot worse than they thought. You know, originally they were saying a couple of weeks. Now it looks like it's going to be a few months of rehab for him before he gets back in the ring. So uh, my best goes out to Jay Uso. I hope uh, you get yourself back in the ring healthy and uh, pain-free as soon as possible. The Usos are one of the acts, even though I don't really like WWE. I do enjoy their act. I think they're great athletes. And uh, I hope he gets back into the ring soon. The TNA news uh, just came up a day or two ago. Apparently, they had a little problem making payroll. And because of that, it looks like Taz, who is the color commentator, is a little at odds. Uh, basically, you know, basically, purportedly, 
he's saying that he's not going to show up to work unless he's paid. And talk is whether or not TNA really wants him to come back. Uh, this will be interesting to see what happens at the, the next tapings. If Taz is indeed still a part of the broadcast team. I know a lot of people hate Taz as a current commentator. I don't hate Taz as a current commentator only because I've heard a lot worse. Um, listen around to some of the other commentators out there. And Taz isn't so bad when you compare him to the other one. So I'm not, I don't hate Taz as an announcer. I would, I would take him back and if I was watching WWE and I was in control there, I would look to bring him back, maybe bring him back to SmackDown or something. Or, Doing something else in the network. If Taz wants to leave TNA, I think he could get a job in WWE doing something. Don't know if he get on Raw, but I think he could get him to do something, you know? Other news. Jushin Thunder Liger, who we just spoke about. He, uh, again, you notice if you listen to my Strong Style podcast, he was the NWA Junior Heavyweight Champion, and he just lost that title. Monday, in Las Vegas, to a wrestler by the name of Steve Anthony. I'm not. I don't know much about Anthony. I know he has wrestled in, you know, several different, I guess, uh, West Coast Indies. I'm, again, I'm not really familiar with him. I don't know if I've ever seen him work or not. I know this happened at the Casino Royal Wrestling Show which was presented by NWA Vendetta. And uh, like I said, uh, that's it. Justin Liger, no longer the NWA Junior Heavyweight Champion. Very surprised that this didn't happen somewhere on a televised card. But it's the NWA, and what else can you really say about that? Um, any other news? Well, I guess there's only one other story. This is the big story. I kind of saved it for that. Well, actually, there's two other stories. Let's go with this one first. There are countless rumors running around right now that Ronda Rousey, the queen of UFC, is indeed, at this point in time, slated to wrestle at next year's WrestleMania. Now, that in itself is a story. You know, would even Dana allow her to do this? I remember... Hearing Dana wouldn't allow Brock Lesnar to do it. But of course, you know, she's his biggest star. And you gotta figure if she really wants to do it, what's Dana gonna do, you know? But that's not the biggest part of the story. The biggest part of the story is what we're hearing. And I keep waiting to hear somebody come out and say that's absolutely not true, but it hasn't happened yet. Is they're talking about her facing Stephanie McMahon at WrestleMania. What's the record for fastest WrestleMania match? Was that Uncle Elmo or somebody? Or, or was that uh, S.T. Jones and uh, King Kong Bundy? Eight seconds or something? This gotta beat that. Stephanie could last two seconds in the ring and be shocking. Stephanie's not an athlete. She's definitely not a wrestler, let alone an MMA star. So I don't see how the way you're gonna work that out unless you're gonna do some crazy thing where. There's going to be like 50 people running in a ring to beat up Ronda to save Stephanie. I don't know. But if that's what they're going for, it doesn't make any sense. I don't really want to see it. I want to see Ronda get in the ring. If they're going to put her in the ring at WrestleMania, they're going to go in the ring against somebody, uh, you know, who you think can actually give her a match. You know, maybe Natalia 
I can't even think of who else right now in WWE. Natalya's the only one I can think of that might be able to give her a match. But they are talking about it will be Stephanie versus Ronda Rousey at next WrestleMania. We'll keep our eyes on that as we hear further reports of, and I'll let you know any updates. But I think that's crazy right now if it happens. And our last news item, CM Punk. CM Punk came out yesterday and a little article. And people are just taking like one part out of it. And when you read the whole article, it's not as bad as it sounds. But he does make a point to let the people know that professional wrestling is not real. Wow. Thank you. Thank you, CM Punk. Without you, we have all been lost. None of us would have known. You know, I am so sick of this guy. Can you just go away? Go away. You quit. You have every right to quit. You made your money. You don't want to do it anymore. More power to you. Then just go away. If you want to go away, go away. Don't go away and keep talking. Nobody cares. Nobody wants to hear you. And the clowns who go to wrestling events and chant your name annoy me more than anybody else in the, in the industry right now. Yeah, let's, let's, let's take over a WWE show and chant CM Punk's name because CM Punk quit the company. So that's like, you know, let's punish WWE for it. And then I hear stuff like, oh, what they did to him. What did they do to him? They let him be champion for a full year. A full year he was champion they never did that for john cena they never did that for stone cold full year the rocky making a full year as champion what they did to him what they did to him was put him over what they did to him was help him make money make him popular so does t-shirts what they did to him you know you guys have heard me on here and i have taken wwe to task on many occasions I think the product is horrible. I think the writing is asinine. I think Vince McMahon is out of touch. I definitely think Triple H needs to run that company. And while I do think Triple H is a bit of an egomaniac himself, I think he'd run the company a lot better than Vince would right now. But yes, I do rip WWE on a regular basis. But I'm not going to rip WWE when it comes to CM Punk. They didn't do wrong by him. He did wrong by them. You know, and it's fine. Like I said, if he wants to quit, he can quit. That's fine. Anybody has the right to quit a job. So just quit. To you people listening to this show, let's say you have a job at, at some company. I'm going to make up a company. You work for Pepsi Cola and you quit. Do you now decide to go and, and get on the TV and radio and go to Pepsi Cola and talk about how bad Pepsi is? That just makes you sound like an asshole. You quit Pepsi and you went to work for Coke. Great. Sit there and tell us how great Coke is. But instead, every five seconds, you got to talk about the WWE and Vince McMahon and wrestling. If you hate it so much that you left it, why can't you stop talking about it? Talk about how you're 30, what, 35 years old, going to try to get in an MMA ring? I'm not hoping for the man to get injured at all. I really am not. But it wouldn't surprise me if he did. He has no business getting in the MMA ring with guys half his age. The only reason he's getting that opportunity is because of his name. And who made that name? Vince McMahon 
and WWE. So CM Punk, you wouldn't be in the UFC if it wasn't for Vince. Think about that. And please, just shut up. All right, that's enough for our news program. We're going to get back to reviewing uh, the shows, and we're going to go to Ring of Honor TV from April 4th. Uh, opening match, Will Ferrara, who, of course, was the runner-up in the top prospect tournament, versus my man, Michael Elgin. Elgin is all over this kid uh, early on. That's really that's beating the living daylights out of him. Uh, Ferrara does mount a small comeback. He gets like a schoolboy for a two-count. Then he hits a code red for a near fall, which is nice. Uh, but then that's the end of Will Ferrara. He gets caught by a warring elbow. A fisherman bomb for two count. Back fist. Buckle bomb. Elgin bomb. And it's mercifully over. Uh, I gave it two stars. It was, you know, I gave it two stars. One, because I like Elgin. And two, because the code red by Will Ferrara kept us from being a total squash. But that didn't help the next match. The next match, War Machine, uh, the new the tag team uh, of Roe and Hanson, Roe and Hanson, War Machine, versus Anthony Green and Cam Sagami. Never heard of him. This was a total squash. Totally destroyed. Gave it one and a half stars. I'm probably being generous. After the match, Elgin comes out and says he bought War Machine together. And he will take them out. He challenges them to a handicap match. So I'm thinking right off the bat, well, okay, you know, I'll give the heel, so this can't be real. He's really not, it's some plan. He's got somebody going to run out and attack him. But no, he goes into that ring and fights him in a handicap match. Michael Elgin is like the greatest heel ever. He's a heel, like taking on a powerful tag team by his own. I mean, why should we boo this guy? I'm not going to boo him. He's great. Um, he tries to hold his own, but, I mean, War Machine are impressive, and they start to dominate the match. Elgin's outside the ring. Will goes after him. Elgin hits him with a chair. Gets disqualified. I guess there, you can move him because you hit him with a chair. But um, he still stood in that ring and tried to fight both of them on his own. Very valiantly. Uh, I'm loving Elgin right now. I don't know. I didn't even give that a match. I didn't even know what to call that match. It's really, I'm not giving it any stars. It wasn't, didn't go on that long. Our next match, pretty much another squash, ACH versus QT Marshall. I forgot about QT. I haven't seen him in a while. And he got in a couple of moves, but it's basically all ACH. He wins with the 450. Again, the announcers with the people don't like him nonsense. After the match, the decade come along to the ring with Kobe Carino. Uh, BJ Whitmer cuts a promo with ACH, basically saying what the announcers say, that nobody likes him. Then they attack him. Page hits the uh, belly-to-back power driver. I'm going to give the entire thing, the match and the post-match thing, I'll give it one and a half stars. And basically, I think that was all the back, the belly-to-back power driver with Page. It looked sick. And the 450 by ACH. Uh, nothing else about any of this uh, to remember. And we got our main event of the show. AJ Styles, the IWGP heavyweight champ, versus Mark Briscoe. This is a total smash mouth style match. Uh, Mark has really gotten some good shots in, but it's mostly been AJ. 
AJ applies the calf killer. Mark is able to elbow free. Gets AJ out on the ground. Hits the cactus elbow on him. Uh, then he tries. He rolls AJ again. Goes up top rope with another flying elbow. This time AJ gets his knees up. He hits Bloody Sunday. Which is uh, Prince Devitt's old finishing mover. Finn Balor. NXT fans. And the Styles Clash. Gets the three count. Good match. Two and a half stars. Not one of the best episodes of Ring of Honor, but not bad. Next week, Ring of Honor TV is going to be showing clips from the Supercard of Honor that we just spoke about. So I may not be reviewing that since we've already kind of gone over what happened at Supercard of Honor. Um, it would kind of be redundant. So we might be skipping Ring of Honor TV this week. Don't worry, uh, I have plans so on what's going to replace it. And, uh, you guys should like it. Okay, now let's move on to Lucha Underground. This is from April 8th. And we open up in Dario's office. And Puma and Conan are there. Dario tells Puma that he wants him to find two partners to enter the Trios tournament. Because he wants all his top talent in this tournament, including Puma. He also says tonight he faces King Cuerno. And King Cuerno's got two partners. And that's who Puma's team will face next week. Conan asks who his two partners are, and Dario tells him, well, you'll find out when the match comes tonight, they'll be ringside with Cuerno. They look a little annoyed, and they uh, leave the office. They go to the ring for a trios tournament match. It's Son of Havoc, Ivelisse, and Angelico facing the team of Drago, Aerostar, and Phoenix. And as we know, Dragon Aerostar are locked in this best of five series, Tyler 2. And uh, this is a really wild match. Neither team is really getting along well. It's really playing into things. Drago was on fire tonight. Uh, hitting crazy stuff. Phoenix also was really good. Aerostar was going for a cover. Drago pulls him off to make the cover himself. They start to argue. Phoenix is trying to play Peacemaker. That gives a chance for the other team to, to you know, make a comeback. Uh, the crowd loves Son of Havoc. One of the most over guys in the company right now. Uh, he has a couple big moves that the crowd loves. Angelico's back in there. He's really taking a beating in this match. Then they start doing a thing where everybody starts hitting crazy dives outside the ring. Every time Ivelisse wants to do a dive, it seems like somebody beats her to it. She finally goes up top. And does a dive on top of everybody. And the crowd loves it. Chance her name. Um, later on. There was a great spot. Angelico gets hung upside down. From the bottom rope to the floor. And Phoenix does a rope walk. Then drops an elbow down on Angelico. As they both crash to the floor. I'm not sure if you're getting a good visual for my description. But if you get a chance to try to watch this match. And you'll see the spot I'm talking about. It looked really great. Uh, this match is so much fun. Uh, Angelico and Phoenix, after that move, are both out on the floor. In the ring, it's Drago and Aerostar, which is Son of Havoc. Ivelisse was on the apron. When Singer Havoc gets away to give her a tag, Ivelisse turns away and leaves, walking up the steps. So it's nothing to do with his team, nothing to do with Son of Havoc. While this is happening, Drago and Aerostar start arguing again or slapping each other. Finally, Arrow charges Havoc, 
who backdrops him to the floor. Then he hits a jumping kick on Drago. Goes up top. Hits the shooting star press. He has a name for it. I think it's like Tales from the Road or something. Something lame. But, you know, it's the shooting star press. And it's a beautiful move. He gets the win as the crowd rejoices. Three and a half stars. Outstanding job here by everybody involved. Not only working hard, but playing really well. The animosities for the groups. Very strong booking in this match. You know, it's always uh, with guys like Phoenix and Son of Havoc in the ring. You really get some great wrestling. We go to a gym area where Puma's working out. Conan comes up. He says he's found a partner for Puma's trio's team. It's Hernandez. Puma does not look pleased at all. Then out walks Johnny Mundo, who says Puma's reached out to him and he's going to be the third member of the team. They do some kind of gang handshake or something and Mundo leaves. Conan's pissed. He says, what the hell the matter with Puma? Uh, you can't trust Johnny. If Johnny gets out of line, Hernandez is going to split his wig. And if he does it, Conan will with his, you know, his weapon that's Slash Kane of his. So obviously I see where this is headed. Uh, Conan and Hernandez are going to turn heel. Will Puma join them? I don't think he will. I think they'll want to turn heel on Puma. But you can definitely see uh, Conan and Hernandez uh, are going to go heel soon. Then it's time for my future wife, Melissa Santos, to announce the next match. Which is Superfly versus Sexy Star. I wasn't sure why this match was made. They were partners last week. As Star saved him from Pentagon Jr. And sure as rain, uh, Dario comes out and basically says the exact same thing I did. So he says to ensure that they go all out and making this a mask versus mask match. So, okay, this here is maybe the most heinous thing Dario has done. For those who are not longtime fans of Lucha Libre, this is like the most fiercest match you can make. Because for luchadors, the mask is everything. It's the ultimate humiliation to use your mask. It's the equivalent of, you know, like a WWE, like maybe an I Quit match. Like, teamed with a Hell in a Cell match. Like, it's the ultimate ending to a feud. And for two guys who just hate each other, that's how you end it. Mask versus mask. And uh, never for two friends. I mean, it's like facing your friend in a barbed wire, you know, fire match or something. It's just crazy. But, you know, they wind up, you know, going fairly all out. Star's doing pretty well. And Superfly just slaps the taste out of her mouth. Then again, damn. These are some hard slaps he's hitting her with. He hits a power bomb, goes to a moonsault. He misses the moonsault. She does a La Magistral Cradle and wins the match. No surprise here. I knew that uh, Sexy wasn't losing. Two stars. Outside of the slaps, not much of this worked for me. I found the whole thing of making uh, this into a mask match. Kind of disrespectful to the uh, traditions of uh, the luchas. The luchadors, I should say. Um, yeah, I, I felt that it's kind of uh, disrespectful to use a sacred uh, stipulation like that. To just throw it away and make somebody lose their mask. Just on the whim of Dario. But I guess the whole point is they're trying to really push, like, you know, what a heel he is. After the match, Superfly kneels before her. She reluctantly moves his mask, kind of like half crying. They embrace. 
Then in runs Pentagon Jr. He sends Sexy Star to the floor. Hits an insane package power driver on Superfly. Does the three up, three down, and destroys the arm of Superfly. Leaves the ring. Uh, him and Sexy Star pointing at each other. You know, she's going to kill him. He's going to kill her. Blah, blah, blah. Next is Prince Puma versus King Cuerno for the Lucha Underground Heavyweight Championship. Puma comes to the ring with Hernandez and Mundo. Cuerno comes with his partners, Cage and Tejano. Now, that's some team. You would have to think they're the favorites. Cuerno, Cage, and Tejano, that's a tough team. Uh, the match goes, you know, as you expect. Puma sends Cuerno to the outside. He goes for a dive, but he's caught in the air by Cage and Tejano. They toss him into a flying neckbreaker by Cuerno, which is really nice. Cuerno beats a Puma a bit. He comes back. He has a leaping kick and this is Cuerno to the floor. Hits a spectacular dive on him before his buddies can get there. Then as they're all there, like, you know, jostling, Mundo jumps in the ring, hits a corkscrew plancher, taking out everyone. Puma hits, like, I call it a copter spin powerbomb. It's basically kind of like a spinning powerbomb. Looks really nice. Uh, goes up for the 450, but he misses. A spring, actually, it's a springboard 450. He does miss it. Cueno hits two rolling Germans and a vertical suplex. He looks for the thrill of the hunt. Hernandez is on the apron distracting him. Puma is able to escape. Subs Cueno towards Mundo. I mean, towards Hernandez, I'm sorry. Who hits someone like uh, he boxes his ears. Uh, Puma takes him down. Puma goes up. 6.30 cents on. Retains him. What was a very good match. Three stars. I'd love to see a rematch with these two guys without all the interference. It'd be a really interesting match. Uh, after the match, Puma and Hernandez are arguing. Puma didn't want his help. And Hernandez was telling him, yeah, but I helped you. And, you know, but Puma's saying, I didn't want it. I don't know. They're kind of making Puma look like a jerk here, though. There was a lot of interference and stuff on the other end. And, uh, you know, Hernandez looked like he was just doing the right thing to help him. They haven't really explained what Puma's issue is with... Hernandez. I think there's something hidden here that hasn't come out yet. But we'll have to see uh, what happens. Overall, another good show. Lucha Underground continues to deliver. That one of the best shows. You know, that middle part, the star and Superfly kind of took away from the show. But overall, it's pretty good. I want to thank you guys for listening. Coming up soon, as I talked about, we're going to have a special show. It's going to be a very special edition of Indie Talk. We're going to have Ladies Night. As we will review probably the two biggest women's promotions in all of America, Shimmer and Sign, both of them putting on shows during the WrestleMania weekend. I have been able to get copies of those shows, and I will review them. But until then, thanks for listening, and uh, to our next show, bye-bye.